Credit Card, brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to the Bellissimo Files, home to the world's biggest stars. Get your hands up! Live on your radio. And you can check us out on your socials. It's your favorite person, Serena. Serena! Ready for you to go ahead and take it away. This. This is the Bellissimo Files. It's the Bellissimo Files on spin. And now, your host, yes. Serena Bellissimo. Good morning. I hope you are having a fabulous start to your weekend. I'm so excited about this week's show because everybody is talking about the Netflix documentary, The Tinder Swindler. Well, we're not just going to be talking about it on today's show. We are going to be talking to two of the ladies in that documentary, Cecilia and Penilla. Also, if you are a massive fan of Succession, you're not going to want to go anywhere because one of the stars from Succession, um, Arian Moyad, he plays Stewie in the show. Well, he is starring in a new Netflix show also about scammers called Inventing Anna. I'm not going to say too much about that show, but I will say it is amazing. Well, he's going to be on the show telling us about Inventing Anna and what's it like living in the Succession world or pretending to live in the Succession world. I'm also going to give you a chance to win a 12-month Hey You subscription. And up next, I'll introduce you to this week's One to Watch, Micah. This week's One to Watch is a singer-songwriter from Tipperary whose latest single, Stranger, has been inspired by Tinder. Let's find out how from Micah. Micah, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Micah, how is this single inspired by Tinder? (laughs) Actually, it's around this time last year I went on Tinder. I kind of gave up for a while and I went back on and, you know, when you're trying to, like, meet somebody and then you're looking for red flags and I learned from previous relationships what I do and don't want. Yeah. And um, eventually I kind of matched with somebody who I really liked. The song, I I just had this melody in my head and it's literally off the back of finding him while going through like while going through tinder and trying to find the right person and be like i wonder is he gonna be it that said he is he is my boyfriend <laughs> so it looks like it kind of worked out. oh i love i love the happy ending this isn't your first single you've had other music out and i love that it's being picked up not just by irish radio stations but you've had your music played in radio stations in the u.s europe mm. and australia how and what is that feeling like? Like, how do you even get notified? Actually, the, the the radio DJs would contact me going, hey, I love this track. Can you send this to me in a file? And I'm like, okay. And I don't know where it's coming from. And then all of a sudden I get tagged. Like when I got um, tagged for Kiss FM in Portugal, I was like, how the hell did I get over there? <laughs> you know? And that is but, huge. Uh, I find that a lot of my stuff gets picked up in the Netherlands and Germany. They seem to really like this stuff. In New York, I used to intermittently live between here and New York for a while. So... You know, you'd kind of pass it on thinking, oh, sure, look, we'll, we'll give it a shot. But it got picked up and it got, I think Stranger was in the top five or something 
for Indy in the New York State or something like that. So that was fantastic. That's incredible. So does mm. that inspire you now to not only start gigging in Ireland, but to try gigging around the world? Yeah, I actually think as a result of this, um, so Stranger is followed up by another one called Shatterproof and Fall and another one. So there'll be the full EP. And my aim is basically to do live gigs around Dublin with the originals because I gig anyway um, but then I'm hoping to aim for the UK and a few other locations because I just I just really want to tour like that's that's my dream like it's a fantastic way to see in the world I get to sing my songs I mean I'm I'm just happy to perform and sing like I'm delighted with it so I, I do think I'm probably going to aim a few people have actually told me PR and uh, directors and stuff that I've worked with regarding the music video have all said look you should probably aim stateside. I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking that's kind of that's kind of a nice compliment that they think at least that. So yeah. hopefully, anyway. While the world was shut down and you couldn't play mm. gigs around the world, you decided mm. to try your hand at TV. Tell me about the last yeah. standing. What was that experience like? My friend who I work with in film, like I would help out with film production. He was like, "Oh, this is this has been run by Shina Will. You should like give this a shot." And I was like me really uh so i said fine so I, I put in the application kind of was like ah and then they contacted me but the thing was the day they brought me in for audition i was actually really unwell oh no um and the minute i walked in they looked at me because i'd emailed saying i really want to go but i can't really stand properly right now they're like get her a chair sit her down so that's what happened they, and then they were like because i got up and i still sang away and regardless of slightly feeling very unwell at the time they kind of they liked it and then they called me and asked me to go on and I have to say the show like everyone on the show is dead sound like all of us were just so happy to be on stage to be singing to get to do what we love because we hadn't done it in so long and I honestly felt like I was missing a part of myself for quite a long time now don't get me wrong COVID allowed me a lot of time to sit in myself and figure out the style of writing I want to do because uh, I actually left teaching to only focus on music and then COVID hit. Yeah. So I got plenty of time to write. Getting up on stage, we were just, everyone was just so happy just to sing again. I was just delighted just to get up and sing. And what is it like being a high school teacher where your students know about your other life? But your, <laughs> oh, no. your other gig is so cool. You're a singer. <laughs> so how do the students react when they find out what, what it is that you really want to do? Uh, it's funny because... Initially, when I started out in teaching, I very much hid it. But the kids, when they realise what happens, you see the little whispers. One of my classes, particularly this year, they were like, when Stranger came out, Miss, I'm doing a TikTok dance to that. But most of them were, I think they were happy about it. I think when they find that out, even I found a lot of kids ask me for voice lessons or they inquire where they can get them off me. And even some of them who are considering going to BIM, because I went to BIM and pursuing music, and they'd ask for advice and stuff and they'd come and talk to me about it. And I liked that. I used to be trying to hide it an awful lot. And then I realized it's part of who I am. Like if I'm teaching them in class to be authentic and be who they are and have confidence in who they are as a person it's kind of hypocritical for me to hide that side of me as well i'm thrilled that you're not hiding that part of you anymore if people want to find out more about your music what you're up to in 2022 when you're playing those gigs Mm. give us all your social handles my official website is micah m-i-c-a-h.ie and basically it links to everything um so my instagram is micah mc1 because Micah was gone. And then on Facebook, it's Micah Music IRL. And then on TikTok, it's literally Micah Music again. There's lots happening for you right now, Micah. I am thrilled for you. I'm not going to let you go, though, without introducing your single. Will you do that for us? So this is Micah with my new single, Stranger, on the Bellissimo Files. Saturday night on my own.
Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. Something that everybody's talking about at the moment is the Tinder Swindler. Don't let the fact that it's a documentary, and I know some people love documentaries, but other people get put off by the fact that something is a documentary. Please don't be put off that this is a documentary. It is so, so good. It is on Netflix. It is about a guy who calls himself the Prince of Diamonds, and he basically, it's it's a true story, and the way he has swindled a lot of women out of their money, it is disgusting, but It is amazing to see these three women reclaim their lives and try and go after him. I have to admit, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but going into it, I was just like, yeah, as if. Like, how gullible did these women have to be to be swindled and scammed by this guy? I'm so embarrassed to say that's the way I was thinking because 10 minutes in, I was just like, oh my gosh, this guy's scam is so extravagant and so believable. It was just so sad to see what he'd done to the women. But as I said, it's great to see that the women are trying to do something and trying to get this Prince of Diamonds to actually pay for his crimes. Well, during the week, I was very excited to get to chat to two of those women, Cecilia and Penilla. Great to meet you both. And I'm sorry that we're meeting under these circumstances. Yeah. (laughs) But do you know what? Watching this documentary, you'd think, oh my gosh, this would scare anyone off online dating apps. But Cecily, that's not what you wanted to come from this documentary, did you? No, like as I said, everyone's been saying, oh, this is all the danger of online dating. But I feel like people like this is everywhere. We could could meet them in a bar. I I have to admit, and I hate saying this, but going into this, I was just like, ah, come on. As if you wouldn't know that someone was doing this to me. That went after 10 minutes. I was watching it going, this could have happened to anyone. He was the scammer of all scammers. So how do you, after going through that, how are you able to trust anybody? I don't, I don't know. I think that we both have a trust issues in, in, in different ways, but I just decided very early on that there's so many things that he has actually taken from us. And it was that part about like, this is not a man issue. It's not that he was a very particular individual that had a team around him that was able to do this. But I haven't had a serious relationship since. So sometimes I feel like maybe it was a bit tougher than I'm trying to convey it. But um, I want to, as I said, like I want to be better and not bitter. Yeah. Sit there and like be angry at the world. Um, you two are amazing. But we can have a good days and yeah. bad days. I mean, we can have like really traumatic days. We just sit and call each other yeah. and just like, we think the entire world is a conspiracy against yeah. you. And then the next day you feel like a normal person again because even though the years have passed, I mean, like, the wounds are still, they're still there. I think my distrust is more with the system than individuals that we just really feel like we've been screaming and we're doing this for others and to get it out there. Yeah, Yeah, because I was watching this, Penilla, and I was just going, how, I don't understand, we have all this evidence here, we have stuff on camera, how have the police not been, and I know he was, you know, spoiler alert, but it's out there. You know, he was jailed, but he's out there. He's walking the streets again. I'm confused. I am so confused as well, because there is a part where I'm going to Germany. My intention was to have him arrested. So he had cases in Germany and cases in Sweden. So I went to Germany when you seen the movie to have him arrested. They called me at the airport to say, oh, we can't make the arrest. And then they just want to drop the case because I think this is the problem and this is something we want to lighten up that fraud is one of like the biggest crimes today and the police 
don't do enough and they don't have enough like resources. resources to actually catch them. And I think this is something that we really want to highlight and why we also really want to do this. We want to make make or hopefully we'll try to make a change of this because mm-hmm. it's absolutely awful what they do to the to the people. And like everyone is getting death threats from him and his team mm-hmm. as well. And it's kind of like no one is caring about that either. He's- Cecilia, how did you deal with that? Because that's the other thing as well. Like it's one thing to have your trust broken and to go, okay, I've lost this amount of money, which is heartbreaking and devastating in your day-to-day life. But when you go, okay, he was a part of your life for so long, he knows everything about you. He knows where you live. He knows where your family live. How did you deal with that fear? How do you still deal with that fear? Because he's still out there. I think that's the big difference from what he was. I was the last string of three, four women when I was told that I was defrauded. So you can imagine how many dark numbers there are. But I think I was the first one to say it stops now because he's making these death threats. People are so scared. And of course, I was scared as well. But then it comes to a point where like you're threatening me. Because you're the one who's in the wrong here. You're the one who is the criminal. Yeah. So I just got more of a, I got angry. And that's when I decided to go to the media and to get him caught. Cecilia, there's a line in there that just broke my heart. You were talking about Simon. You were talking the fact that he was still in your contacts. And he, in your contacts, he was listed as Simon Loveheart. And you said, I couldn't remove the Loveheart from his name. I wanted him to be true. How long did it take you to come to terms with all of that stuff? It was really, really difficult because I remember when I needed to block him because I couldn't do it anymore and I was crying. That was a week after and I still was crying because it was like I felt it was so difficult. And it's still like it's still has a heart there in the WhatsApp chat. I, yeah. I think it is like it's been a person. So he wasn't who he was. So the person you knew, that mm-hmm. person sort of died. Yeah. Yeah. I don't exist yeah. anymore. And then it's just another person who looks like him, you know. So what are you hoping that we get from this documentary? We want to actually take away like the victim shaming. Yeah. That is especially because we got so much hate from the last round. Yeah. And we really want to take this away. I mean, like you should never blame the victim. You should blame the criminal behind yeah. this. And we're really hoping to make a change like in the mindset of people because people love to say, oh, that would never happen to me mm. to actually understand victims a little bit better that this could happen to anyone. Hopefully to bring out the law enforcement back again. Yeah, please, as we were saying, yeah. like, if you know that you've been defrauded, like, report him and that the police can actually do something now. We want him Yeah, But it's, it's not only him. There are so many others out there. But now we, we have exactly if you've seen him. it, like, there are others in his team as well that we are really happy are getting out into the light because they've been hidden for too long. Does it blow your mind that you've got this out there? When you guys were going through this, this information did not exist. He was... Simon, he was the diamond prince. You've put it out there. You've said this is who he is. Does it blow your mind that people are just getting involved with him and refusing to believe you? It blows my mind every time, but at least we're doing everything we can and we really, really are trying our best. We want to protect people, so this is why we did it. Well, do you know what? You ladies are fantastic. I thank you. Again, I say I'm sorry you had to go through this, but thank you for sharing with us and I hope you feel empowered and you get all the good things that are coming your way. Oh, thank you so much. I really do hope that the ladies are able to get their lives back on track. The Tinder Swindler is available now on Netflix. Let's go! What to watch. What to watch. Joining me on the line now to share some great recommendations is entertainment.ie's Deidre Malumbi. Dee, how's it going? Oh, Dee, how's it going? 
Hello? Yeah. It helps um, in radio if you actually put up the right button. <laughs> oh, because for a second I was like, did I accidentally mute myself? Because I was checking mine, but all good then. <laughs> Always assume it's me, Dee. That's what everyone else in my life does. Um, Dee, there's some great recommendations out. Uh, just a little earlier on in the show, I was talking to the Tinder swindlers, um, Camilla and uh, Penilla and Cecilia. That is out on Netflix now. You checked it out. What's going on in that? Yeah, so this is actually number one um, on Netflix in Ireland and the UK. And if you haven't seen it yet, my gosh, you absolutely have to. Uh, so this, this relates to the incredible true story of not just Cecilia and Pernilla, but also Eileen. They were conned out of hundreds of thousands of dollars through a man they met on Tinder named Simon, who posed as the son of a diamond mogul. So it's kind of the latest, I suppose, Netflix true crime uh, fix, but it's just, it's absolutely extraordinary. Let's take a clip. He said there was something he wants to tell me. He said he has threats against him. She needs our cash. $20,000, is life dependent on me. That's when police tell me. The man I love was never real. Everything's a lie. A clip there from Netflix's The Tinder Swindler. Um... Dee, I was saying a little earlier on, I'm so embarrassed to admit that going into this, I was like, as if you're going to be able to be swindled by someone like this. Um, but it was so easy. Oh, absolutely. It can happen I mean, to any of us. It was such a manipulative yeah. scheme that you absolutely could see how it could have happened to anyone. And even I think that the documentary does a really good uh, job of, at the very start, it's kind of talking about movies and all these like kind of romantic ideals that we've all been kind of, um, I, I suppose, kind of sublimely absorbed so that when, you know, kind of we think the one has come along, uh, we tend to not question it, but go with it. So I thought that the documentary did a really good um, job of kind of going into like that psychology and everything. Um, I personally find it very, very emotional to watch. I was so yeah. shocked and appalled and upset watching it. My heart just poured out for those women because, like you said, it really could have happened to absolutely anyone. And even, like, I know they touch on, like, some of the online abuse they would have suffered when they first came forward with the story. So it's kind of, I, I don't want to give too much no. away. I'll just say that there's a third act twist that you don't see coming. And throughout it, it's just so suspenseful, so unbelievable. It really is watching a, a dream turn nightmare, nightmare and like seeing how far catfishing can go. I suppose it like surfs really well as a cautionary tale, yeah. but also just kind of shows you how like how kind of powerful having an online presence can be nowadays and how you have to always, always question um, initial appearances. Yeah, um, and it's just so really well made. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. The Tinder Swindler, available now on Netflix. This other one is something completely different. I've been dying to see this. The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah, so this is an interesting one. This one is actually in cinemas at the moment, and it is a biopic based on the controversial televangelist Tammy Faye Baker, who, along with her husband Jim, uh, they rose through the world of Christian television. They had their own network, but eventually it would all collapse in a major financial scandal. Let's take a clip. Have you never done pictures without those eyelashes? No, nope, and I never will, because that's my trademark. And, you know, if I take that away, then it's not me. And no one's going to want to look at me without my trademark, so I hold on to that. Even if I soften them up no. and kept... No, you can do anything you want. But my eyelashes stay right where they are. That's really you. Mm. Oh, yeah, this is who I am. Jessica Chastain there as um, Tammy in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Is it good? 
Yeah, I thought that Jessica Chastain, I mean, for my money, I thought she was absolutely exquisite in it. And Andrew Garfield, who plays her um, husband, I thought that he was excellent too. You would have heard there even from the clip, there's a really terrific use of hair and makeup as we follow uh, Tammy and her husband through the decades, like the way that they aged them. And Tammy Faye was quite, Tammy Faye was quite infamous for um, her kind of over-the-top makeup look. And she actually had um, her lip liner and eyeliner permanently tattooed on her face which is quite extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, like, visually as well. I mean, this this movie has been getting something of mixed reviews. I think that it doesn't... It's trying very hard not to judge Tammy Faye in any way, which I think is kind of interesting, even though it does show that, you know, um, the schemes of her and her husband were very, like, corrupting, and basically they, you know, uh, absolutely financially benefited from it, but then it all kind of collapsed in scandal. Um, it also looks at kind of the corporation aspect of the whole uh, religious media, uh, gender inequality, which Tammy Faye had to kind of, um, you know, really push back again. So I think that it's it's a really interesting biopic. It is quite familiar. It's probably similar tropes to what you've seen before, but I did think that there were some great moments of dark humor in it. I thought the um, performances were excellent. So while I don't think it's going to blow the world over for my money, I find it a fairly fun and interesting movie. So I would, I'd recommend, I think it's worth checking out. Okay, anyway. what would you give it out of, I was going to say out of three, out of five? I think I'd give it three and a half out of five. Brilliant. Deidre Malumbi, as always, thanks a million and we will catch you next week. Thanks for having me. If you want to find out what else is playing in cinemas and whether it's worth catching or not, tune in to We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden tomorrow morning from 8am. The Bellissimo Files. Favourite things. Favourite things. Go. Paul Walsh is the lead singer of Roy Seven. They were popular a few years ago. They had a massive song out called We Could Be Lovers. Well, they have reformed. They have a new single called Love. And on the 24th of... The 24th of this month. Sorry, I'm trying to do two things at the one time. Can you tell? The 24th of this month, they are playing at Whelan's. Paul Walsh is going to share his favourite things with us now. Paul, it's so great to hear that you guys are back. Well, it's all great to talk to you again. It's been a long time. A long time. Time has gone by, and uh, it's great for us to be back as well. Yeah, I didn't think it would happen, but it happened. How did it happen? It wasn't a COVID thing. A lot of people say, oh, you're bored during COVID, so he decided to do this. Back in 2018, we all went to a party, a friend's party, and randomly after a few drinks, we were like, wouldn't it be nice just to play again, just to get into a studio again, just to try it out? And we did. We kind of secretly went to a studio and just to see if we could still play, to see if we could, if I could still sing, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we really enjoyed it. And from there, we kind of thought, well, maybe we'll do something. And our manager, Edison Waters, he kind of then happened to say a year or two later, oh, why don't you guys do something? So all the kind of stars aligned in a moment and we thought, let's do it. And not only did you just do it, but you're also releasing new music. I love your new single, Love. Thank you so much. Uh, we're really, really happy with the song. We liked it from the start. And I think coming back, we didn't want to be a cover band of ourselves. We would only really get back together again if we were going to continue to write. Yeah. So it's really important for us that we keep creating something. And uh, that's what we've done. And the response to the song has been really positive. Will you be performing at festivals this year? Yeah, we've got some summer festivals booked in already, which we're really excited about. So um, I presume when they start advertising them, uh, people will see our name. And uh, we're looking forward to getting back on that kind of circuit. Well, as I said, it is great to have you back. But I want to get to re-know you again. 
So let's yeah, do yeah. that three your favourite things. Are you ready? Okay. What TV <laughs> show are you obsessing over right now? I do like my TV shows and I love binge watching. I hate the idea of having to wait till the next week. I had COVID again last week. Oh, so no. exactly a year to the week that I had it last year. It was ridiculous. Anyway, so I started catching up on a lot of things. I watched this new Korean thing called All of Us Are Dead, a zombie thing. I don't know if you've heard about it. All of Us Are Dead, zombie Korean. Producer Aoife was talking about that last week. Yeah, it, it's not Squid Game, but if you enjoyed no. Squid Game, you'll really enjoy this one. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Squid Game meets Walking Dead, The Walking Dead. That okay. kind of thing. Favourite film. Yeah, that's a really tough pick. Let's be I honest. I know, sorry. <laughs> you either go for something nostalgic, you know, from your childhood or something, or you go for something you know is cool and give, will give you kudos. But I decided to go for something I watched last week during that COVID week. I'm normally not a Guy Ritchie fan, but I watched The Gentleman or The Gentleman and I really enjoyed it. His movies can be a bit slapstick sometimes in their action. Um, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not a big fan of his, but there's a real storytelling approach to the entire thing. It's Hugh Grant playing this really kind of slimy character, but he narrates the whole story and he tells the story to somebody else and then we get the flashbacks. It's really nicely told, really good fun kind of action caper. And I really enjoyed it. It's not my favourite movie ever. It's just the most recent one I've seen that I've enjoyed because I can't pick my favourite movie. Yeah, let, let's go with that. And that's okay. We'll go with that one. Favourite book? <laughs> I go back to The Spinning Heart by Donal Ryan a lot. I don't know if you've read The Spinning Heart. No, what's that one about? It's it's set in 2010 in Ireland. He's from kind of Limerick, Tipperary, not too far from where I'm from. And it's about Ireland during the recession. Now that sounds really depressing, but it's 21 chapters featuring 21 voices from the same community. And they tell the story of their community. And you hear about one character from himself, but then you hear about him from somebody else and you realise, oh, what he thinks of himself or what other people think of him is completely different from how the world sees him. And it's both hilarious at times and it's tragic at times, full of ups and downs. But you know what? He manages to get under the skin of Irish people. It's It's really the story of Ireland in this one really short book. It's brilliant. If anybody ever asks me for a book recommendation, I say The Spinning Heart by Tom Ryan. The song that everyone should have on their pumped up playlist. Can I say my song? Of course you can. (laughs) Love by Roy Seven, our new song. Because it's up-tempo, it's it's happy-go-lucky, it's positive, and you could definitely work out to it or run to it or something like that. There's a nice constant beat to it. Do you have a favourite album? Yeah, um, I don't know if you are a fan of Rufus Wainwright. He's a great and incredible songwriter, and uh, he's got two older albums called Want One and Want Two. He recorded them at the same time. Yeah. And they're great records, but all his albums are beautiful. Favourite podcast? I've recently listened to The Witness, based on Nicola Talent's book. Okay. It's kind of an Irish crime from not that long ago, maybe 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And about a kid who has to go into witness protection after his involvement with Irish, the Irish crime scene. Um, but it's really good, told from the voice of, of The Witness himself and from Nicola Talent and from other people who were there at the time. And it's, it's really, really engaging really engrossing the app you can't live without I think it's Instagram I think I go to Instagram more than any other app I'd like to say something more highbrow, but I think it's Instagram. What's your favourite account to follow on Instagram? I don't know if you know this guy, but he's an Irish journalist who lives in London, Declan Cashin. He is so, so naturally funny. He's a real wordsmith. So he'll find a play on words or a pun with words. And uh, he always it always gives me a giggle anyway, just to, to see what he's put up next. Your favourite thing to do on a weekend? This would probably sound very mundane to most people, but I like to watch football, either in person or on the TV. It is my... The thing I look forward to just to switch off and nothing else really distracts me from it. It's my little oasis where I think those two hours, that's what I'm doing. Or I'm going out to the local field and I'm going to watch some people I know playing football. Not me playing it myself now, but just, just watching it. <laughs> I hope you get to enjoy some football this weekend, but I hope the next few weekends as well is about music. It is so great 
to have you guys back. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Paul, before you go, will you introduce the single that we've been talking about? Of course. And this is Paul Walsh from Roy7. You're listening to our brand new single, Love, on the Bellissimo Files. Files. The Bellissimo Files on spin. Anyone who knows me knows that I go on and on and on about Succession. Um, and another show that I really enjoyed and I binged on Netflix, I don't know if it's still on Netflix now, but I did binge it, so this doesn't really help you now, but I binged it, I think it was at the end of last year, it was called The Bold Type. Well, two of the stars from those shows, Arian Moyad, who plays Stewie in Succession, and Alexis Floyd, who plays Tia in The Bold Type, are starring in a great new Netflix series that I keep saying, and I know it's really annoying, but I'm not allowed to say too much about this series until next week, but they star in this new series called Inventing Anna. It is about this New York supposed heiress. This week's show has a bit of a theme to it. It's all about scammers. She was a bit of a scammer and how she took down um, unintentional, well no, it was intentional, but how she scammed New York society. It is absolutely brilliant. I'm not going to say too much more. Let's just get to the interview with Arian Moyad and Alexis Floyd. Alexis, Ariane, oh my God, congratulations on this series. I binged as much as I was allowed to. Wow, awesome. I'm glad that you liked it. I have to say, though, I kept watching and I just kept going, I don't get it. How does this person actually exist? It wasn't even the con. It was, how is she so confident? How does she have no fear? I'm constantly in fear of getting caught out. Ariane, as this went on and on, how did she feel about Anna? There is a something about Anna Delvey that is so energetic and so you just want to, you know, at one point at the end, Todd says, you know, everyone wanted to be in the business of Anna Delvey. And I completely understand people like that. There is an attraction and an energy that makes them so confident. And confidence is one of the sexiest things out there. And so she exudes it. And it makes sense to me that, you know, people want to be around her. They wanted to be in the business of Anna Delvey. This is all about faking it and believing in yourself. Like there's a line where she goes, a vision like mine doesn't come along all the time. Genius is rare. I like, I, I wish we had that confidence in ourselves, but as actors, you have to sometimes pretend you can do stuff that you can't do. Ariane, what's the biggest lie you told to get a part? Um, I remember when I was younger, there, you know, I'm an Iranian actor and I could speak Farsi fluently, but someone's like, well, can you do an Arabic? You know, can you, I was like, I, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I can do that. And they sent me two pages of text in Arabic that in the first 10 minutes I was like, uh Oh, I need to call and tell them the truth. Like I have no, but you know, you're young and you want a job. And so. Alexis, what about you? I remember one time going in for a commercial and it was for some kind of athletic wear. And the first round they were like, do you run? And I was like, I run when I'm late to the train. So sure. (laughs) And then, um, you know, it got closer and closer and we met outside and they had us like do a running test in Washington Square Park. And I was Lord, was I nervous. Luckily, it was like 45 seconds. Um, didn't, didn't get the job. So they they certainly saw right through. It, it must have been my form. I must have been, you know. Yeah. All <laughs> Anna is all about the VIP experience. She keeps mm. saying, you know, VIP is better. It's always best. Ariane, in this job, I know that, you know, it's not all VIP, but I'm sure there's been some moments 
that you've gone, oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting to access this or see into this part of uh, the world. What's been your biggest pinch yourself VIP moment? Wow. Um, I will say that first table read in LA when we did the first, I think we maybe even did two episodes. I don't remember. But um, that felt very luxurious and exciting. I felt like um, the room was full of unbelievable um, people and people that were very energized and Shauna Land's team is so diverse and giving and caring and they, you know, they care about us. So that was really kind of exciting. And I just remember the Netflix, you know, the little Netflix touches and you're like, oh, this is nice. I can get you to that. <laughs> what about yourself, Alexis? Biggest VIP, actually, that same day after the table, we, we all had dinner together. Oh, yeah. And remember that? And Shonda actually shut down the first restaurant that I waited tables in in Los Angeles. It was like this kismet, unbelievable moment. And I walked through and, you know, I didn't, I, my manager wasn't there, but it's the same ownership. And I went to the back and we were, you know, being wined and dined by the woman of television and, and just in this like very comfortable and it was Italian food and that's my, ooh, girl. So that was it. That was it. That was magical. Love- that is such a beautiful story, Alexis. Isn't that wild? <laughs> crazy. But Arian, this isn't your first access into the VIP world. You've had it with Succession. Mm. I can't come here and not talk to you about Succession because sure. that is the show that we are all obsessed with. What's it like getting to be a part of that world? On honor. I mean, I pinch myself every day. You know, it's a real artist's room as well. I just want to just say that for the for the young actors out there, that there is a real sense of ownership that Jesse Armstrong gives all of us and our characters. And and he writes towards us. We get to access, you know, million dollar, you know, $200 million yachts and um, get to go all over the world to Croatia and all these places. You know, even the New York City locations, you're like, wow, I don't know. I didn't think this existed. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's a real honor to be on that show. I, you know, I will just say the last thing I'll say about this is, you know, when we were shooting season one and we were doing the wedding season, we didn't know if people were going to even like the show because it was so unique. And, and to be honest, we didn't even know if people would get what we were doing because there was no, like, <laughs> winking at the audience. Everyone was playing the characters really kind of brutally. And then all of a sudden, here we are. So that just goes to show you, you know, how brilliant Jesse and his writing team is. Yeah, as is this writing team on Shondaland. Uh, yeah. Final question, Alexis. I don't think this is just about Anna. I love the social commentary. Like, it just shows you that the rich have their own rules. What did you take from this? It's so true. And and celebrating the writing, again, there is a sense of humanity in every character. If they have one line or if, if it's Anna Delvey, you know their hearts pretty quickly. And it's not... There's an intelligence, you know, like the audience gets to feel it. You're not told so much, but you feel the humanity in these stories. And it's all across the spectrum in terms of, you know, the financial, the range of financial spaces that the show takes up is is almost exponential. I mean, but all of them have heart. And and that's what I think is such a triumph of this piece in the writing specifically. Yeah. Well, again, congratulations. Thanks, Serena. Thanks for watching. Inventing Anna is going to be premiering on Netflix on Friday the 11th of February, which is just next week. So there's only five... My maths is so bad. I don't even know why I bother doing it. Anyway, next week is when you'll be able to catch Inventing Anna. And on next week's Blissmo Files, I'm going to be catching up with another star of the show, 
Laverne Cox. I'm so excited. <laughs> I say this every week and every week it's true. There's so much going on out there and I can't keep up. So I bring in producer Aoife to tell us what's going on in the world, what we've missed. Aoife, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And I I do this every week too. I go, okay, I want to hear what you've got to say, but can I go first? (laughs) (laughs) You work away. You work away. Um, Did you get into, and just like that, the Sex and the City Three nights. I just, I didn't even get into Sex and the City. I have to admit, it wasn't really my thing. No. Yeah. If if that wasn't your thing, you weren't (laughs) going to get into this. This was getting mixed reviews. I could do a whole show on what I think about the show, so we won't be going there. But I'm not going to give you any spoilers because I know that everyone watches it in their own time. All I will say is there was a lot of talk about, you know, will Samantha Jones, Kim Cattrall come back? Will she not? Um, how do I say this spoiler free? I'll just say that Sarah <laughs> Jessica Sarah Jessica Parker has come out and said, you know, there may be, you know, there's talk now of a season two. I don't think we need it. Having said that, if there is a season two, I'll probably watch the whole thing. Sarah Jessica Parker has come out to say, I don't think I'll actually be okay with Samantha Jones and Kim Cattrall coming back. Um, she was talking to Variety about it. She just said I don't think I would because there's just too much public history of feelings on her part that she's shared. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think one of the, my favourite things about And Just Like That is the way that they've handled that yeah. Samantha yeah. Jones character. I, you did tell me that was dealt with really well. Yeah. Okay. That's me done, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on, Eva? Well, I had an amazing week in that I got back to my first gig post-pandemic you know, I've been saying it in Music Fix every week. I've probably said it in What Did I Miss as well. Yeah. I've been dying to go back and hear some live music. I got to see Caribou in Vicker Street on Tuesday night. It was, How was it? incredible. Just so good to hear live music again. And if you are like me and have been waiting for that, I have some good news. You might have seen this during the week, but the Longitude lineup has been released. I festivals they're back they're back yep. they're coming back and there is lots of people on that lineup who you will hear on spin here regularly we've got Megan Thee Stallion the Kid Leroy uh, ASAP Rocky there's a huge huge lineup will ASAP Rocky be bringing Rihanna with you well, she might be very pregnant or just have had a child at that point, so... Oh, yeah, he's me thinking it's next week. Yes, because... It's what, in the summer. What have we yet? It's in uh, July. Okay. Uh, you're going to have to forgive me because my computer has frozen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it is in the summer and by that stage it probably has given It birth. is. I believe it is the first weekend of July. Okay. Me. Um, but yeah, and the other name that I'm really, really excited to see on that lineup, and I was delighted to see her up there with all these artists, is Denise Chyla. I love that. I am dying to yeah. see her. She's on my bucket list to see this summer. I think she's incredible. Yeah, it's the uh, from the 1st to the 3rd of July it's on. So. Brilliant. I love that Denise Tyler is up there with all those names I that know. you mentioned. And, and she deserves to be up there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in other music news... This is very this exciting <laughs> as well. <laughs> I don't know. I think that I think you're either in the Eurovision fan zone or you're not. Are and you? I think me and Serena are 100 yeah. percent in there. We're already planning to have we ha- we're going to do in my house a like proper um, thing where we're going to pick na- pick countries. We're going to have a party. It's a big big deal. And um, particularly my roommate Michael is like a Eurovision obsessive. He could tell you anything that you ever wanted to know <laughs> about it. But we have picked our song as of last night. Uh, Brooke 
who is our very own Derry Girl, which I think might play in our favour since everyone loves Derry Girls, is going to the Eurovision with her song That's Rich. She performed on the Late Late Show last night and it was picked with a public vote and international jury. And you may know her from The Voice UK. She was um, coached by Megan Trainer. Oh, wow. This, yeah. if, if you missed last night's show, this is what our Eurovision song sounds like. You say I'm using you now. Hey, stupid, that's This is the first year in a very long time where I've been excited. I think we have a chance, Aoife. I think so. I think we'll at least get out of the semi-finals, yeah. which we haven't done in a while either. Oh, that, that deserves to go to the top. Now, it's just the only thing that really bugs me about Eurovision is the political voting. Yes. Can we just not vote on the I know. I'm thrilled that it is like last year's con- uh, winners were Italy yeah. and Maniskin, and it's going to be in Turin, isn't it? Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. And I be- I can't remember who it is. You might know this, but Australia are sending someone really interesting this year as oh, well. Oh, have they? Yeah, I'll have to look that up. Oh, I'm thrilled. I, we can't wait. And Mi- M- M- Micah, Mika, Mika, yes. Is, yes, he's hosting it as well. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And finally, Panty Bliss is running a campaign that I can get behind. Yeah, I 100% will be. <laughs> so, what you, we all know that during the Eurovision, someone comes out to hand out the Deux Point. Don't yeah. that right? Deux Neil Poir. We're hoping we don't hear that. But Panty Police is running a campaign saying, can I be the one who says that for Ireland? We're 100% behind that. I Let's would make love Panty to do that. I think yeah. that would be incredible. Um, I know Nikki Byrne has done it a lot. Yeah. I can't remember who did it last year. I don't know, but I, I, we'd all remember Panty Police. Yes. yes. Panty for Eurovision. <laughs> yeah. oh, could you imagine? That would be brilliant. It's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On spin. Another show that I cannot stop going on about, if you know me, is Afterlife. I'd say this is probably one of Ricky Gervais' most popular pieces of work ever. People are binging it in days. Like, they're taking season one, two, three. Over three days, they've finished the whole season. I love it. If you don't know anything about Afterlife, Ricky plays Tony. He's recently become widowed, and it's how he deals with grief and all those around him. Three of the people that have been with him since the very beginning are Tony Way, who plays Lenny, Joe Hartley, who plays June, and Diane Morgan, who play Kath. I got to catch up with the three of them recently to find out about their Afterlife experience. How's it going? Hi! I just want to say a massive, massive thank you for this season of Afterlife. Um, I'm glad I didn't speak to you yesterday. I was a blubbering. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's like us when we read the scripts, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've got to learn how many lines. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tony, I don't know if you've got it easy or you've got it really tough because you don't have many lines to learn. But does that make it easier or harder? Because you have to convey so many emotions without saying a word. The hardest thing is keeping a straight face, to be honest (laughs) with you. Because oddly, when you've got some stuff to say, it's it's easier to not laugh, I think. If I'm just, if you know you're in shot and you haven't got anything to say for a whole scene, (laughs) if you then mess it up, like, there's no excuse. It's the yeah. worst thing to do. Uh, if you've got one line and you miss, which I do miss my cue, that's, that's, that's the most embarrassing way to to mess up a scene. If you've got a monologue, people forgive you. They're like, oh, well, yeah. he's got a lot of lines yes. to do. And yeah. if you've just got to say, all right, or big time, you and you get that wrong, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, 
What was the last day on set like for you? Yeah, I felt a little bit sort of sad, but I also kind of was really grateful for the experience. And because I'd made friends with Ricky and the cast, I knew that I would see them again. And I think I had a little bit of denial. I, I think we was at the fair when it was my last day and it was so much fun. So I kind of like didn't dwell on it too much. I knew that I'd see everybody for the press and do things. But I think today I've started to realise, oh, well, that's it. Because it is one of, it is probably one of my favourite jobs I've ever done. But it's been, it's really given me a lot of joy. So I think when I kind of left, I tried not to dwell on it too much. And I've tried to just accept it and look at it as a real gift. Because you can go into yeah, that yeah. other side where you're like, oh, it's never going to happen again. But we're trying to get Ricky to do a Christmas special, so can you get him to do one? <laughs> yeah, yes, please. I'll be all up for that. Um, yeah, Terry, right. when I first spoke to you for season one, I asked you, why did you do this? And you went, well, Ricky asked me, so I just said yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you ever think it would be what it has become today? Not at all. No, no way. I kind of knew what the show might end up being. I didn't realise how it would touch people the way it has. And I genuinely had no idea it was going to be watched by that many people. I sort of forgot that it, the way Netflix works, if you know what I mean. I forgot <laughs> that when it comes out, it's everyone can see it around the world. And they all watched it. And um, the reaction has been incredible. No, I never would have guessed. And I'm glad I did say yes. And I think, well, I think that's what it is. It's been so surprising for all of us because I remember when it first came out, they just took a scene and it was the scene where there's an overweight kid in the playground being teased and the media went nuts going, how dare he, blah, blah, blah. And then I just went, have you watched yet? Have you watched what he has delivered for us? And even down to this series here where I went, I know what this is going to be all about. I shouldn't have, but I was just like, yeah, this is going to be all about his grief. But it wasn't. It was also about Every single person is carrying a burden with them. You just don't know about it, do you, Diane? Yeah, it's true. And that scene with the little kid in the in the <laughs> in the schoolyard, you know, if you just saw that scene, you'd think, you know, it was a funny scene. But because you know it comes out of anger, he just doesn't care anymore. And this grief, you know, he goes through anger and he's just given up. He's just, I don't care if I offend people anymore. I don't care, I'm just going to say what I think. Mm, yeah. So if you see it in context, it's brilliant. You know, because you see every stage of grief that he goes through. Mm. Yeah, and you've got to go, he's got to go there and be, push it for it to be that effective afterwards to show the reason yeah. why. Because yeah. yeah. we all do things in anger and we all do things when we're blind to feeling sad and angry. And I think that's what we have to see. Like, life is like that. Yeah. And then and then some, you know, it's yeah. not always yeah. happy. It's like, it's brave that, I think. Yeah, and he never pushed it too far. But but it's also, it shows the ev evolution of the character as well, because I don't think the character in season three would do that either. No. I think he, he, you're right, he's kind of, the character's understanding a bit more of, you know, it's not all about him and there are other people have other issues too and and it's probably better to try and help them than have a go. Not that he, I mean, he still has a go at some people in the third series, but they're probably more deserving than a little uh, yeah. chubby ginger gift. Yeah, oh, look, I could talk about this um, series to you guys forever. Unfortunately, we have to wrap. So I'm going to start end it as I started um, it and just say thank you. Thank you for bringing this into our worlds. We We really need it right now. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you nice for the to kindness. Thank you. Nice to speak to you again. Yeah. You too. We'll have to find another excuse for the next time. Christmas <laughs> special. Christmas <laughs> special. I'm up for that. 
Afterlife is streaming on Netflix now. If you haven't seen it, do yourselves a favour and set aside the weekend because you will get through season one, season two and season three this weekend. It is only six um, episode seasons that go for anywhere between 25 and 30 minutes. It is amazing. This is a new music spotlight. On the Bellissimo Files. On the Bellissimo Files. She is back in studio and this time producer Aoife brings new music with her. Oh, I am so excited about this first track. Again, if you're a regular here on The Music Fix, you will know how much I love Many K. I love Jax Jones also. They have a new collab out and it is called Where Did You Go? I can't stop smiling during that. And is that sample, is there a 90s song that that sampled? It's a tribute to Eurodance, they've said. They wanted to bring back the fun, poppy, danciness of Eurodance. And I love it. So it's not the first time they've worked together either. They did have a song out in 2016 called Housework. And they've done loads of writing together. So the minute I saw they had a new track out, I was super excited. And not only was Aoife super excited, I've never seen someone respond to an email so quickly. Yeah, he was like, hi, <laughs> and when can we get them on our show? Yeah. So that is a word. Work in progress. And Manny K is one of my <laughs> dream people to have on this show. I am just a huge, huge fan. And Aoife will probably be doing that interview. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that would be amazing. I think it would I be. I can talk to him about dance music. Yeah, I'll just sit back. I'll sit back. Now that is one of the songs up for the Blissimo Files single of the week. Yes. Up against, I can't believe this pairing. I would never have put them together. This has taken a total 180. This is something totally <laughs> different. It is from Machine Gun Kelly and Willow Smith. It's called Emo Girl. All I want is an Don't laugh at me, but I could so picture Avril Lavigne singing that or Courtney, Courtney, not Courtney Cox, Courtney from Hull. Yes. So this is the thing, right? I remember I brought you an Avril Lavigne and Travis Barker song. Travis Barker produced this with Machine Gun Kelly that and it's sense. off oh, Machine Gun Kelly's upcoming album, which Travis Barker is producing as well. I'm like, is Naughty's emo like punk coming I back. Coming I really back. hope so. I yeah. really, really hope so. <laughs> I just don't want to have to wear those low-rise jeans and yeah. stuff, yeah? No, can we can we not bring that back? Anyway, that's your single of the week. You can go over to our Instagram and vote for that or Jax Jones and M&EK while people are doing that. Yes, yeah, so earlier on I was talking about the Longitude lineup, and two of the artist features on that have come together for a track. This is RD and H with War. If they want a battle, I'm ready for war. I come from the struggle and love all the trouble. I've been here before. I'm done and I'm sick of the talk with a smiling face. Not anymore. Yeah. Kicking the door. Kicking the door. Been in the gutter. I come from the mud. I can give you a tour. If they want a battle, I'm ready for war. I come from the struggle and love all the trouble. I've been here before. I'm done and I'm sick of the talk with a smiling face. Not anymore. Yeah. You can catch them at Longitude this summer as well. If you're a fan, I think they're going to be brilliant. Now it's time for uh, Aoife to smile. <laughs> Track of the week. Just clap your hands to the beat. <laughs> I say smile.
smile because this is your favourite That might be my favourite <laughs> intro for the dance track ever. It's time for Eva to smile. And yes, I am because not only do I love dance music, but my favourite type of dance music is when we have new Irish dance music. And from a female artist, which makes me even more excited, this is a new one from Jen Payne and it's called I Want to Show You. You made me stop that again. I know. What are you doing to me, I know. Asa? Isn't it so good? Oh, I love that. As I said, it just makes me really excited as well that we have a female artist in the dance space as well of Irish music. And she's been added to the playlist, I believe. So keep an ear out. You'll hear more of that on spin as well. Yeah. Though, like, that will be played out in full, not like yes. you've done to me on this show. <laughs> but that's okay because... Our Bellissimo file single of the week is something that's going to make you very happy. Again. Absolutely. I'm loving this one. It's the new one from Jack Jones and Amenny K. It's called Where Did You Go on the Bellissimo Files. have a very happy Aoife here because you've heard it that your Bellissimo Files single of the week is Jax Jones and Emine K. Where did you go? Don't forget as well if you want to catch any of those new hits that we've played out today you can go to the Spin Fresh playlist on our website or our app and you'll get all the latest new music there. And that brings us to the end of this week's show. If you missed anything all the videos of these interviews I played out today are up on our website spin1038.com and next week we're very excited because another big week on the way. There's going to be chats with Sarah Silverman, Love. Vern Cox and Johnny Knoxville. Wow. I know, I know. <laughs> I love when a show like that comes together. Up next, it is Jess on Spin. That's it from Aoife and I. Enjoy what's left of the weekend. Here's to building snow people. See you next week. Bye. <laughs> it's the Bellissimo Files. The Bellissimo Files. On Spin. <laughs> Air Credit Card, brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.